Today we're going to the book of Psalms, the book of Psalm. And we're going to the 18th chapter. And I believe that if you will listen, the Lord will speak to you. I believe the Lord has something to say to us today. I believe that this message that the Lord has placed upon my heart is for many of us in this room. In some ways, it's probably for every single one of us. And we're going to actually, Grayson uh, or, or, or Kevin, we're going to look at, we're going to begin in verse 31 instead of 34. We're going to go to Psalm chapter 18, and I want to begin in verse 31, and I want to read down through verse 36. And there's a, there's a scripture here and a phrase where the message title will come from. Here's the word of the Lord. For who is God? Who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength. Now I want to go ahead and tell you that that's our altar call right there. Our altar call is going to be a time, anyone who wants to come, if this message speaks to you and stirs your heart, we're going to pray at the end. I'm going to, and, and we don't always ask you to come, but this, this morning at the end of the message, at the conclusion of the message, I'm going to ask anyone that wants to come, and we're going to ask the Lord to strengthen us. Some of you need strength today, and you're in one of those seasons, and you'll, you'll see that. But it, David says, he arms, God arms me with strength. He makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he sets me on the high places. I mean, you know, no matter where you are, you may be down in the valley, but the Lord can give you feet like a deer, and you can scale to those heights. You can scale above what you're going through in your life. Verse 34 is our anchor text for today. Maybe it's one that you want to write down on a three-by-five card, write the verse down on one side and the reference on the other. And this through this week, just meditate on this. Get this in your spirit. Verse 34, he teaches my hands to make war so that, he, so that my arms can bend a bow, a bow of bronze. You, all, you have also given me the, the shield of your salvation and your right arm has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. So in the battle, David didn't slip. So today I want to bring you this message. More just want to place it in your heart. I want to title this, He Trains My Hands for War. I want you to think about that today. You say, Pastor, what's the Lord doing in my life? Well, he's probably doing a lot. I don't know all, but I know this. He's training our hands to war. Pastor, why am I going through what I'm going through? And some of you are going through some things today. He's training your hands to war. Father, we ask your blessing on the word of God today. We ask that you would equip us, give us the ability to speak the words that you want us to speak. May you receive all the honor and all the glory. And Lord, may your children be helped today. And we ask that in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. Do you know he's training your hands to war? Now throughout the scriptures, there are many metaphors that are 
are used to describe the reality of the Christian life. And one of those metaphors has to do with the, the metaphor of a battle or a war. Now, we know it's not, uh, it's not a physical war. We don't, we don't fight like this world fights. So when I use those terms, I want to be very clear that we fight differently. We fight with spiritual weapons, and we'll show you that today. But one of those metaphors is to describe the reality of the Christian life is that of warfare or a battle. In fact, this is so prevalent in the Word of God. Do you realize one of the names of the Lord that is used over 200 times in the Old Testament is this name, the Lord of hosts. The Lord, everybody said that with me, the Lord of hosts. It's used about 245 times in the Old Testament. And what it literally means, this is the name that God revealed that, that of, of what we, that he wanted us to know about him. The God of the armies of heaven. A very clear warfare metaphor and illustration. David described it this way when he was going out and fighting his battles in 1 Chronicles 11.9. He says, so David went out and became great. Now notice this, and the Lord of hosts was with him. In other words, when David was fighting, all the enemy could see was David and those physical Israelite soldiers. But what they didn't know, that to the unseen eye, the Lord of hosts was fighting their battles with him. Do you know it's the same way for us? The Lord is with us. His spirit is with us in all the battles of life. The Lord of hosts. We have an, in the New Testament we have these images of warfare. In fact, when we open our, the, the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ in the 19th chapter, we have Jesus bursting out of heaven on a white steed to confront the Antichrist armies in warfare, in battle. And it reads like this. Now heaven was open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat upon it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges. And notice, what does he do? He makes war. He makes war with all that is destroying. He makes war with sin. He makes war with those who oppose his kingdom. And he will bring his kingdom. I won't read all that, but it's very dramatic. And at the end of that, in verse 16, it says, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to reign and he's going to win. Now, you may not realize that at this moment, you may ask the question, why? And we ask those questions. Why am I going through this struggle? Why am I going through this battle? Why am I going through this difficult season in my life? You may not understand it, but I pray that you do before you leave today. I pray that you understand the Lord is doing something in your life. He's training your hands to war. In the New Testament, again, Paul said, you therefore endure hardness. How? As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So we're, we're getting a picture of what Christianity really is like. We get a picture of the reality of what it is to live out Christ's teachings in a hostile world. It's a battle. It's a warfare. But there's a reason behind it. So the question is this today. Here's the question. How does the Lord teach our hands to battle, to war? How does the Lord teach our hands to war? Why does he teach our hands to war? Why do we go through these struggles and battles in life? Why don't we just, why is it that we just don't receive Christ and then it's just smooth sailing all the way to heaven? There's a reason behind it. And if there wasn't a reason behind it, then every person that ever received Christ and their name were written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, the Lord would just rapture and take them to heaven if heaven is the only goal. 
But God is really doing something in your life. And I'm going to tell you, it's something glorious. He's building his church. And when, listen, when all is said and done, and when the dust settles, the only thing that's going to be standing is the church and God's kingdom. So why does he train our hands to war? Why does he teach our hands to war? Four little thoughts today. Number one is this. He teaches our hands to war. How? He does it by allowing us into the battle. It may surprise you, and it may even offend you. God would allow me to go through battles. God would literally create situations where he would lead me into a battle. I'm telling you, he's training our hands to war. And one of the ways he does that, he allows you to enter the battle. He allows you to engage the battle. Verse 34 again says, he teaches my hands to war. How does he teach your hands to war? He puts you in the battle. He puts you in the heat of the fight. So what we learn is this. True Christianity is not lived and not learned, rather, in a classroom. It's not learned in a bubble. Real Christianity is learned and taught in the midst of life struggles, in the midst of the home, in the midst of the marriage, in the midst of the job, in the midst of a hostile world. That's where real Christianity is lived out. I remind you that Paul said this, in all these things, we are more than a conqueror. Not, not standing outside of them and looking in the struggle, but in the middle of the struggle, in all these things, in the middle of them, in the middle of your battle, that God has allowed you to engage the battle. Why? He's teaching your hands to war. He's teaching you to be a strong warrior. He's training your hands to war. We realize that so many so-called experts are experts in name only because all they've ever done, they've never lived their subject matter. They just wrote a book on it. Right? Am I right? You understand what I'm saying? They simply just wrote a book. They learned it in a classroom, but they did not live it out in real life. I don't need an 18-year-old to tell me how to have a successful marriage when he's never had a marriage, never had any kids, never had any struggles. I need someone with a few battle scars. Show me your battle scars. Paul said this in Galatians, from now on, let nobody trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. Paul bore in his, mod in his body the physical, visible evidence that he had been in the battle. He had been engaged in the battle. God had trained his hands to war. Here's the truth of the matter. Christians face many battles. Some of you today are facing a battle. You're here in this sanctuary today, and you're facing a battle. Christians face all kinds of battles. See, the church, the first century church, understood this from the very beginning. The modern church in some ways, not always, there's millions of lovely Christians that love the Lord in many wonderful churches. But we see this drift that many in our modern church had developed a theology that really, instead of confronting the culture, they accommodate the culture. And because of that, it lessens, it lessens the cross. It lessens the persecution. But is it real Christianity? I don't think it is. But yet the first century believers understood there was a cross to pick up in Christianity and there was a price to pay for truly living out the teachings of Christ in then the Roman Empire. By the way, in that Roman Empire, they had no freedom of speech. They had no freedom of anything. They had Christ. 
Paul was very clear with those he taught. He said in the book of Acts, strengthening the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And here's, now I quote, Paul said, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. See, they understood what Christianity was. There wasn't, there wasn't Christianity light. They gave them the full loaf and said, if you want to follow that Jesus, Jesus said, here is the cross, pick it up. Paul said this in, in Timothy. He said, he said, yes, all. Everyone say all. Yes, all. See, in other words, this wasn't some, oh, this wasn't how, how it was going to be for some super saint like Paul, so-called. But he said, every Christian that wants to live for the Lord, here's what he said. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's going to be a battle. Okay. I would say it this way. Life is a battlefield. Life is our warfare. Life is a battlefield. Jesus said life would be the battlefield. Remember, please remember, saints, in this world you shall have the ellipsis, tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome. If you have any Nike shoes, Nike, I've overcome. Nike, that's overcoming. It's Nike. It's Nike tennis shoes. I've overcome. It's an, you're an overcomer. Put your spiritual Nike shoes on. He said, because in this life you get that, but he said, I've overcome. Be of good cheer. I've overcome. Peter said, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised by the fiery trials you're facing. Why? He said, because these battles, these battles are developing you. He's training. Say that out loud. He's training my hands for war. You know, I want you to say that, say, you know, I won't make you say it again, but I wanted you to say that to yourself. What is the, the Lord is training my hands for war. Life is a battlefield. We should not be surprised when the Lord in training us to be good soldiers thrust us in the middle. That's how he teaches us. He thrust us in the battle. He thrust us in the storm. You're being developed. See, what the enemy tries to destroy us with really works for our eternal spiritual good. This is so odd. This is the odd thinking to the world. But in James it says, my brother encountered all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience and let patience or endurance have its perfect work that you may be perfect, that's mature and complete, lacking nothing. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives liberty and without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed. Now notice what he says here. First of all, he says, when you're in the battle, count it all joy. This is an attitude that is completely different than the world. We are to approach it with joy. There, there can be joy. There can be supernatural joy right in the midst of trial, right in the midst of storm. He says, count it all joy. Then he says, when you fall into. In other words, sometimes suddenly you're in a trial. You don't know how you got there. You don't know why you're there. Just when you fall into it, when you fall into it, you're there. You're in the middle of a trial and the, you're in the heat of the battle. You don't know how you got there. There's no rhyme for it. There's no reason. You've fallen into it, but you're there in the battle. But God is training your hands to war. And it says, 
various trials here in James. That means battles can take all kinds of avenues. I mean, the enemy can, it can be a financial battle. It can be a family battle. It can be having to do with your future or a choice that you need to make or a conflict that you're in or some discouragement that's hit your heart. It can be various, very many trials. It can be family, physical. It can be an emotional situation you're going through. They're very, but notice what he says. It produces endurance. It produces strength in my life. My hands are being trained for the battle. And then he says, if you need wisdom, ask for wisdom. And the God who is with you in the battle will impart to you the wisdom. He will show you how to get out of where you are. Remember Jehoshaphat said, Lord, we don't know what to do. we got these armies coming against us. We're just a little nation of Judah. We don't know what to do. But Lord, our eyes are on you. And then the prophet speaks and gives wisdom. Send the worshipers out first. And they begin to see his mercy endures forever. And God set ambushments up for the enemy. God has wisdom for us as he's training our hands to war. Christians have many enemies, and they are contending with your life. Notice what Paul said. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil. Notice, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers And the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Who are these enemies? Who are they? These are invisible enemies that are around us that war against the church. They war against lost people. They control darkness. They keep people blinded and in bondage. They try to war against churches from advancing. They war against churches from winning the lost or being in revival. Who are these? Are listen, these are persons without bodies. They are real. This is not science fiction. This is the word of the Lord. Understand, Jesus lived in this reality. Jesus dealt with with many, many demons in his ministry. He dealt with them as real persons, yet without bodies. They could speak, they had minds to think, and they had wills which they wanted to enforce on other people so they could manifest themselves through human personalities. I'll just read you one verse in Mark. Mark 1, verse 34. And then he healed many who were sick of various diseases. And he, Jesus, cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him, so they had vocal ability through that human being, and they had a mind to think and to try to enforce their will. I'm telling you, There are enemies that are still around us in the spiritual realm. And Jesus said the ongoing ministry of the church would be to engage the battle. When when he spoke to the apostles, 
One of the words that he left, the ongoing ministry of the church was this in Mark 16. These signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. We are still confronting invisible enemies, personalities, and real persons yet without bodies in the spiritual realm. But here's what we need to know. The way God teaches our hands to war is he causes us to be engaged in the battle. He causes us to get in the heat of the battle. But I want to tell you this. In every battle, Christians are promised decisive victories. In fact, the promises of the Word of God are so amazing that the Word of God even says death, which is our very last enemy, will one day be completely defeated. Listen to this word. For whosoever is born of God, are you saved today? Well, then you have to see yourself in a certain way. There's no room in a Christian's life for victimhood. You're not a victim. Listen, my pop, if I play the victim game with him, he would put his nine and a half on my backside. I'm just telling you, the way I was raised, no excuses, don't whine around. Don't play the victim. Get the job done. You say, that's kind of a hard way to be raised. Well, yeah, I guess it was. I don't know. I'm just telling you what my dad put in my heart. I want to tell you, as I read the word of the Lord God, I want you to know we are to see ourselves this way. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. I want you to know when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you became an overcomer. You may be, the Lord may have pushed you in the middle of the battle, but I want to tell you it's for your good. He's training your hands to war. You're getting stronger and you have a promise. You're going to win and the church is going to win as we're raised up to heaven one day. Our faith These are not carnal. This is not physical. Our faith, faith meets our greatest need because it brings us into a relationship with Jesus Christ and the born-again experience. Faith conquers our greatest challenges. There's nothing that faith in God cannot move out of the way. Now, let me be clear here. I'm not talking about we're a bunch of little gods here and we're talking of this and that. It has to be in the pathway of his purpose and the pathway of his will. So let me frame it this way. Whatever God calls you to do, no matter how many mountains are in your way, in the purpose and the will of God for your life, when you come to a challenge and when you're in the midst of the battle because God is training your hands to war, when God says that mountain is going to move, speak to that mountain. You can speak to the mountain. And when God's involved in it, that mountain will move. He may do it through you, but God is the one really doing it. It's faith in God, our great God that is El Shaddai and Almighty in the battle for us. Faith in God secures a peace for us. We overcome by faith because we're saved by faith, by grace through faith, of course. We, are, we conquer challenges as we trust God and keep trusting God. And not just that, we don't have to fall apart in the middle of the battle because there is a wonderful, wonderful peace that is yours and mine in the midst of the battle. Jesus said this, let this be deposited in your spirit today. Peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. 
Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. If you're in the middle of battle today, I'm going to tell you why. Because the Lord's putting you there. He's training your hands to war. He's making you strong. You're going to come out better on the other end. That's how he trains our hands. He puts us in the trial. You're in the trial. God put you in that trial. But he put you in that trial. Not to, be, not to lose, but to overcome. And to be faithful in his name. Here's the second thing we need to understand. And that is, he teaches our hands to war by also showing us the powerful weapons that are available to us while we're engaging the battle. He doesn't say, son or daughter, good luck. It's not like the eagle that just kind of throws the kid out of the, throws him out of the nest. No. I want you to know, when he sends you out, he sends you out equipped. When he sends you out, listen to me, saints. Are you with me? Say amen. He sends you out with the most powerful weapons known to humanity, more powerful than an atomic bomb. It's the mighty weapons of God. They accomplish his purpose, his plan, and his will. Notice what David said in verse 35 of our, of our text we read. He says, you also have given me a shield. You have given me. Not only are you training my hands to war in the battle, you've given me the shield. We're equipped to do what God has called us to do. These are spiritual weapons. I'll preach so much, I push my button off. <laughs> Hope that's all that goes now. I need to keep that other one. <laughs> you know, He's given you a shield, He's given you a sword. I won't go through all the armor, but he's given you faith as a shield. He's given you shoes to go out and get ready to run out and preach the gospel, the good news. Blessed are the feet of those who go proclaim the good news. He's given you all that you need. He's given you that helmet. But here he gives me the shield. He gives me the armament. He shows me in this battle when he's training us, he wants us to be experts in this armor. And the armor really is about Jesus Christ. He's our righteousness. He's our faith. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But these are spiritual weapons. Notice what Paul said about them. He said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Underscore that. I have an underscore. Not carnal. But what are they? But the mighty through God to what? The pulling down of strongholds. To cast down arguments. In every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. These are spiritual weapons. They can demolish demonic theology and demonic ideology and de doctrines of demons. When the word of God brings in the light, it can cast down the arguments. It, it can clear away spiritual clouds from people's hearts and minds. And the light of Jesus' gospel can come flowing in. Notice this, these weapons are not only spiritual weapons, they're weapons given by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, made active by the Holy Spirit in our lives. They're spiritual weapons, but they're supplied weapons. God is, I read you in Psalms, he says he's giving me a shield. He has given these, these are weapons forged by him. These are weapons, but, but we can't, we, we have to pick them up. Notice once again in Ephesians, it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. How many Christians are, and even churches today, that they have neglected and abandoned the storehouse of God's weapons, 
that work in every generation, whether first century or 21st century. They work, and yet they picked up carnal weapons because they're clever. They think they're clever. They think, oh, well, this is how we're going to do it now. And then they build something that's nothing but a house of cards, and it's empty, and it falls apart. But these weapons work. Let's take them up in the battle. Let's take up righteousness. Let's take up the sword of the Spirit. Let's take up the belt of truth. Let's take up these mighty weapons of God. Let's don't, let's don't neglect them. Let's don't put them in a corner somewhere. We got to take them up. They're supplied by God. I think one of the tricks of the enemy is try to get the church to use carnal weapons to advance the cause of Christ. And you don't really reach people that way. You may reach a little crowd, but you're not transforming lives. You're not making disciples. You may get a soccer team that all go to hell. But are you getting disciples? Are they getting saved? Notice what Paul said. Paul dealt with this. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? They're foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. They're foolish to the world, but they're not to us. These are the supplied weaponry and armament, and we're panoplied by this, with this, by the Lord. And I can tell you this, they're successful weapons. They work. They work to accomplish God's will. They have worked. How many of you in this room, and I'm asking this as an open-ended, I know the answer. I'll phrase it this way. I'll phrase it this way. We all know someone who overcame the, the Maybell Hutchison's of life, the Jane Voiles of life, that the weapons they fought with worked. I mean, if you could have been in that room when Jane was hanging between heaven and earth, and she wasn't complaining. That worship music was playing. The scriptures, the healing scriptures were playing. And she was worshiping God, worshiping God, praying to God, praying to God. She wasn't going to let go of her Savior. Why? Because she knew the weapons she fought with worked. Even in the face of death, she overcame. They worked. You read all of Hebrews 11, all the heroes. I can tell you this. Let me say this. You're not fighting alone today. You've got a church family, but you also have a cloud of witnesses. Millions of Christians through the years. We have those in Hebrews 11 to, to encourage our hearts. It says all, these obtain, all the, the elders obtained a good testimony. They, contain, they, can, they, uh, they obtained a testimony. How did they do it? By faith. By faith in God. They used the weapons of God. And the walls of Jericho fell down. And, and the Red Sea parted. And, and the enemies were, were taken. And the fire was quenched. And the lion's mouths were, were shut. How It worked because God's weapons work. God's training our hands to war. He's doing that by putting in the battle. That's why you're in the battle right now. You're not there to lose. You're there to win. You're there to overcome in his name. And you're also there because God is showing you, showed you to train you. He shows you these mighty weapons. And he says to Trinity Life Church, do not forsake these weapons. Don't take up carnal ideology. Don't take up worldly wisdom to promote the church. Preach the gospel. Use prayer. Use the proclamation of the word. Use the authority of the name of Jesus. Depend on the Holy Spirit. These are things that work. He's training our hands to war. Quickly, here's the third thing. He teaches our hands to war by showing us that it is only by his supernatural strength 
that we shall overcome. Notice what verse 32 of the psalm, Psalm 18, 32. It is God who arms me with strength. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. Verse 34 of that chapter, he teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. That is unusual strength to be able to bend a bow of bronze. It's the same thing Paul said. Be strong in the Lord. He's arming us with strength. Now, a study note, and I quote this verse, uh, Psalm, 30, uh, Psalm 18, 34. And I quote the, uh, uh, for, uh, the Faith Life Study Bible. Here's what it says. Can bend a bow. That means to make oneself ready for the battle. Of, of bronze, he says, a metal known for strength. I continue to quote, a bronze bow would be heavy and difficult to use. Yahweh gives the psalmist great strength so he can wield, wield this weapon. He gives me the strength to, to get ready for the battle. He gives me the strength to pull back the bow of bronze. He gives me supernatural strength to fire at the enemy with the gospel. And defeat him. Here's what the psalmist says. God arms me with strength. The Lord's going to give strength to his people. How could Paul fulfill his difficult ministry? Have you read, have you read in two, 2 Corinthians 11? I won't read all that. You know, we get to the next chapter, and it, you know, you know the scriptures together. You know all the verses and chapter breaks. That wasn't in the original. If you, have you ever read a Bible without chapters and verses? It's really wonderful, because then you don't get, you know, it, and it helps us to frame things. But you, read a Bible without any verses in it, and without any chapter breaks. It'll just, it'll be, it'll like it's like an eye opener. We understand that when Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, the Lord says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. You've got to back up into chapter 11 and, and you see what Paul is going through. He's describing his ministry, beaten with rods and 39 lashes many times and shipwreck and naked and hungry and, the care, and all this stuff that he's going through. And you think, how can a man, how can one man deal with all those battles? How can one man fulfill such a difficult ministry? And we find the answer. We find that same thing the psalmist says, God arms us with strength. Paul said the same thing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is strength for the battle. And it's not natural strength. It's supernatural strength to sustain us and to push us over the top. He trains our hands for battle. By equipping us and showing us that we must rely on his strength. Where do we get that strength? Well, there's many avenues of grace. Said of the young men in John, the word of God's in you and you're strong and you overcome the wicked one. The word of God makes us strong, amen? Brother Jason referred to Jude, building up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit, whether you're native tongue or whether... 
or whether your prayer tongue, whichever, if you're in the spirit and praying, you're going to be built up. God's grace. Notice this. Timothy says this in Timothy 2 Timothy 2 1. You therefore, my son, be strong. Now listen, remember I told you it's only through God's strength that we'll overcome. David said, the Lord equips us with strength. Notice what Paul says, the same thing here in another way. Therefore, my son, be strong in the in Christ Jesus. Not your strength, grace. So what does that mean? Here's what it means. A.T. Pearson, which was a Greek scholar, said this about this verse. Be strengthened is a present passive imperative. Literally meaning, keep on being empowered. In other words, he says, keep in touch with the power. Now, we all know when we haven't kept in touch with the word and with prayer and been in worship, we get very weak, don't we? We get weak really, really, very, very quickly. But notice this. In the grace that is in Christ Jesus, he says, and I quote, it's where the power is located. Christ is the dynamo for power. Only when and while we keep in touch with him are we strengthened in the grace of God for this battle. So when we come down here in just a moment, what we're doing is we're drawing upon the grace of God. We're going to get back in touch with the power of God and the grace of God. And you're going to leave this place today and you're going to have strength to face the battle and overcome in Jesus' name. Here's my last thought. He teaches our hands to war. Because when we're fighting, when we fight effectively and we win our battles, we become a source of encouragement for all the other soldiers. We never want to discourage the other soldiers in the army. And our greatest encouragement It's, of course, Jesus, and then I would say the great cloud of witnesses. Notice what Hebrews says as we close. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily entangle us or ensnare us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility of sinner from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. I want you to know 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered the battle. He became a man. He was touched with the feelings or infirmities. He went through everything you went through and more. And I want you to know he fought that battle. He pressed through that battle. And now he's our great savior. He's the God man sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. One mediator between God and man. Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning. He's an overcomer. Therefore you and I shall overcome in his name. Paul became a great source of encouragement to all the other ministers with the battle that he went through and was overcoming. He said, I want you to know in Philippians, brethren, the things that have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it became evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Now notice verse 14. Here's the point. And most of the brethren in the Lord 
having become confident by my change, chains. You never know, saints. Your battle, the way you fight is affecting others. The way you overcome is pulling others up. Why does the Lord teach our hands to war? He teaches our hands to war by allowing us to face the battles of life. He teaches our hands to war by showing us the powerful weapons that are available to us. He teaches our hands to war by showing us that it is only by his supernatural power that we overcome. And he teaches our hands to war because when we fight and win, we become a source of encouragement to the church of Jesus Christ. Our musicians are coming. I think about David. And I think about the army of Israel to just emphasize the point as they're coming. Focus on me, please. And I think about how that the Israelites are on one side of the valley, the Philistines are on the other side, and every day for 40 days, a giant comes out and mocks the people of the Lord. Mocks God. 40 days. And it said they would go every day. They'd set the battle, kind of lines up. But for Israel, it was a joke. The Bible's very clear. It says, Saul and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistine, and they were dismayed and greatly afraid. But it's amazing what one person can do. It's amazing how one person can bring such encouragement. See, when you fight battles, God puts you in there, and you win, you're such an encouragement to others. I'll read this as you begin to play, Tori. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine and he killed him. But there was no sword in David's in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and he stood over the Philistine. He took his sword, he drew it out of its sheath and he killed him. He cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now notice verse 52. Now, now. Now the men of Israel. Now where have they been for 40 days? Huh? Where have they been? Terrified. Hiding out in a tent. But all one man that could fight well. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Now the men of Israel of Judah arose and they shouted. They pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley of the gates of Akron. And they wounded the Philistines and fell along the road, etc., etc. What happened? One man said, I'm going to go and fight well. One man said, I'm not going to sit over here and be afraid. I'm going to go fight the battle. I'm going to go face, de- I'm going to go face Goliath. I'm going to fight. God's brought this battle to me. I'm here for such a time as this. And God, see, David said this, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. I come to you in the name of the whole Lord. The Lord's equipped me. And he confronted the enemy. And what it did, it pulled everyone up. When you win, we all win. When you overcome, we're all overcome. When you're faithful, we all overcome. Some of you need strength today. You're in a battle. We're going to ask God to give us strength. I want us to stand if we would.